you know um i've been here and i've seen uh i've seen a lot and what i've learned from most of all is that you can teach yourself anything that is true and i think that that's one of the biggest things that like when you're doing a startup if you've got an idea and you don't know anything about it you know you want to work in ai but you've never even looked at a computer you can learn and if you just take that time to like you know really google the heck out of a topic <laughs> and uh you know i've sat a, i've sat in a computer and googled for eight hours straight oh. hello and welcome everyone all right <laughs> Yeah, you're listening to the Clarkson Ignite podcast. Wow. We're, we're coming to you from the WTSC radio station, per usual, in the Clarkson Student Center. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. No? Overused? No. no well, I'm, I'm Matt. And I'm Nick. And this podcast is a bi-weekly podcast meant to connect individuals across Clarkson's diverse community and give you, our listeners, interesting and unique content. Ultimately, our hope is that you can walk away from all of these episodes learning something new and valuable, hopefully something that will inspire. This week, we talked to Matt Buryak, uh, class of 2019. He spent the last few years refining an idea he had in the seventh grade. Uh, he's performing research with professors, gaining useful knowledge along the way. He shares his experience with us uh, from taking that rough idea and turning it into a marketable product in multiple industries. It was a great conversation, and we truly hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Listener mail. Listener mail. All right. Today, our listener mail is from a senior at Clarkson University, Caroline Bonin. Uh, she asked us, did Noah from Noah's Ark have woodpeckers on the ark? And if he did, did he keep them? So... Yeah. Technically. Okay. If we're going by the story. All right. He had to take two of everything. Everything. So he definitely had woodpeckers on the ark. The question about whether or not he got rid of them, he probably didn't, but the real question is should he have? I think what was happening, so he knew that there was going to be two of everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that he held an account that the woodpeckers were going to peck around at his wood ship. So... He, he got two beams. No, he got two beams. Like he's like, all right, I know they're gonna peck at stuff, so I'm gonna get them stuff to peck at. And he bought stuff mm. and brought it with him. And they have their own peck stuff, kind of like <laughs> their a cat own peck stuff. Kind of like a cat scratcher, you know? <laughs> because cats will like destroy your furniture unless you buy them one of those posts to claw. True. At. Yeah. yeah, basically like that idea. So I think he did that. Mm. If he was smart, he probably would have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he but, is smart. He, but, okay, so the, the question Jesus is, told so, him. Jesus was probably like, you know, if you don't buy these posts, they're going to peck the hell out of your ship, and you're just going to you're gonna need one, basically. Here's my question, though. My real question is, uh, you know, if he didn't think that far ahead in advance, okay. okay, yeah, and the woodpeckers were pecking away at the ship, would it be in Noah's best interest to get rid of the woodpeckers. 100%. Yeah, get rid of the woodpeckers. But that's an ethical dilemma because his job, as he was told, was to take two of everything and care for them through the flood. Yeah. Well, clearly he didn't have that problem because we have woodpeckers Woodpeckers, now. I know. I don't know. I just feel like, but like if, if you were, well, obviously if you were Noah, you'd be like, yeah, buy woodpeckers. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think Noah would have done that. So would would there have been a hole in Noah's Ark? 
he would have shipped. See, but this is the ethical dilemma of like sacrifice a few for the many. Yeah. I guess so. Well, that's basically what they did when they grabbed two of each. Yeah. They can't keep them all, that's but they true. keep two of them. That's true. So In you, the theoretical so situation that this occurred. That this occurred, then then the two woodpeckers would have to go to save the rest of all the animals in the world. Yeah. I'm good with that. All right. Tell us what you think. Would Noah keep the woodpeckers? And should he? Until next time. Peace. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Um, so I wanted to bring you here because you have a really awesome idea. Um, I've watched you pitch it a couple of times, um, and you seem to have made a lot of progress in the last year or two, and I wanted to bring you on here so you could share your story. So yeah. something I want to start with, which I'm interested in with all the people we talked to, is how did you end up at Clarkson? Well, uh, first of all, I want to thank you so much, Matt, for uh, having me on. Uh, I really appreciate this, and I always appreciate to uh, you know spread the word about projects and innovations. Mm. Um, I feel like you know going to a school is Clark's, and sometimes we, we get lost in our work, and there's so much more that we can do and explore. Um, the way I came about my project was um, I was actually in the seventh grade um, with my teacher, Mr. Durr, uh, at, at old St. Mark's Catholic School in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, we were he was talking about uh, the cell. Uh, the human cell and how it has this ability known as like semi-permeability. And at first, uh, he kind of explained it as like this ability for cells to just basically decide what they want to come into contact with them and what they don't want to come into contact with them. And I thought that was one of the most cool things I've ever heard of. I mean, you never really hear about the body acting on its own without our influence, you know. And this is just something that's built into their DNA, which I think is phenomenal. And um, in addition to that, uh, as, we're, as we were working through it, I kind of came up with this idea that I wanted to create something like that for people. You know, mm. originally the idea was a force field, you know, okay. but, you know, naive uh, seventh, <laughs> seventh, grade, grade. seventh grade Matt was like force field. But um, as I grew, you know, I, I kind of grew to learn from my professors. You know, I remember in high school talking to my uh, chemistry teacher, Mrs. Patty, she was like, um, trying, trying to learn more about something that I could do that would be similar. And what she turned me on to basically was uh, different kinds of chemical reactions that uh, could link it together and trying to neutralize different types of things. And from there, I went and uh, I, went, I decided at the time, my parents were asking me, what, uh, what major do you want to go into when you go into college? And, you know, I, uh, I told them I wanted to be an inventor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my mom was like, uh, yeah, that's not a major. <laughs> And um, I told her I would do it anyway, but um, I, she said, why don't you try chemical engineering? So decided to become a chemical engineer and uh, started coming to Clarkson and uh, went to the, a bunch of professors to try and figure out, you know, how am I going to make this, this force field? You know, at this time, I'm still thinking that, you know, it takes a while to develop an idea. And even though, like, we think we know so much, but there's really not a lot, whole, not a whole lot we know. And it took me going to eight professors really uh, to go to really figure it out. And then the last one, I met Dr. Parch um, here at uh, Clarkson. Uh, he's one, a phenomenal professor. You know, he's re reaching the end of his he term here at Clarkson, but um, he's helped me so much. And he was the one who told me to go to the Shipley Center, you know, to pitch my product. So you got, like, the idea for the actual product that you have now 
you got that idea from an internship, right? You were working. Um, it with- was like from so the main the idea I got now um, was from uh, actually from uh, let me let me go back because yeah. like I'm trying to think of this. Uh, the idea I have now, which is basically a modification of a polymer in order to uh, make it neutralize acids on contact. Yeah. That's my idea. Um, the main way I got to, it started out as just uh, a force field, obviously when I was in seventh grade. And then when I came to Clarkson, it evolved into using something with like, you know, different types of hydrogels and different types of other things like that. Um, but then slowly and slowly it evolved into something new, you know, the use of uh, a, a totally new fabric um, to uh, neutralize acids on contact. And this is important because a lot of those um, protective fabrics in use now are single use, right? So this kind yeah, of helps. Yeah, it's a, it's a single use uh, system right now. Um, they use uh, polyurethane uh, coated suits. Um, using some big chemical terms, but like basically they, yeah, it's, just do, like, it's just, it's just a coating on top of a suit. And, um, the main reason that that, you know, that's, a um, used is because it doesn't react with acids and other types of chemicals. It's just a wall, mm. but that's the problem is because you're not actually solving, solving the problem. You're just kind of creating, um, a temporary shield. And, you know, what my product does is it goes forward to solve the problem, you know, creating a fabric that neutralizes acids is useful in a number of fields, um, specifically, you know, in chemical suits is the one mm. main application I've been looking at. But it it does have other applications that I'm going to look into in the future and that I'm still developing. But all my research has been done here at school. And the main place I got my idea from, you know, at least what I'm working on now was from my professor, Dr. Parch, and some of the work that he's done. So tell me about what that process was like. So you went to like eight different professors and you finally found him. Yeah. Um, what was it? Was there a big learning curve in getting into the research of it? And how did... What was the process like of kind of like getting into? Yeah, the process, the biggest process with like getting into it was um, actually learning that I really knew nothing mm. about chemistry. Um, I'd taken high school chemistry at that point, And, you know, I was just in Chem 1 and Chem 2 at Clarkson. But um, and I did my, ma- my major chem labs. But like for that, for the most part, what I really learned is that we really know nothing. <laughs> um and so the biggest thing was just asking questions. You know, I would go to Dr. Parch and I would ask him a question and it might might have been a stupid one. And, you know, the idea of the game is that you ask the stupid question and then you get an answer and you learn more. It's something that you, ha- you have to get used to, especially when you're trying to innovate something, because it's probably something that nobody's ever done before. And don't be afraid to ask your question. Cause it, and, you know, when I went to those eight professors, one of the first professors I went to told me, uh, your idea is not good, you know, it doesn't work that way. Like physics doesn't allow for that. And I, it was back, it was still in the beginning stages, but like what I really needed at that point was the support to like really develop my idea and learn more about it. And Dr. Parch gave me that, you know, he suggested that I, you know, go online and um, search it up. And like, he gave me a couple like key hints that really got me to go but I really didn't stumble upon like my final design until like just before this summer. So to back up a little bit, why? So you talked about like seventh grade, mm-hmm. you liked the idea of semi permeability and you wanted to kind of like help create that in a, a thing, right? Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you go about kind of materializing that 
feeling. Does that? Yeah, yeah. I I understand. I like. How did I get from like a force field yeah, to like a fabric? Exactly. And so and like, how did you get to the point where like it's an actually a really useful potential thing. product for these yeah. these companies? Um, I I don't know if you remember oh, Kevin McVitie. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, when he used to work for the Shipley Center, I yep. remember uh, one of my first meetings with him. Um, we uh, he was with him and Jamie, and Jamie Hoos, and we uh, were both uh, used to be members of the Shipley Center. Um, they're great guys. I really respect a lot from of them. Um, but they, uh, one of the first things I told them is I want to make this thing, this, uh, field that can d disrupt everything. And they were, they kind of said that that's, that's a, a really huge idea. And, you know, maybe <laughs> trying to like do one thing at a time mm. might be the best way to go. And so they suggested maybe, you know, doing, um, just acids. What can we do to fix that? And, um, you know, one of the things I've always known is that uh, current chemical equipment is bad. Mm. Uh, you know, those latex gloves they give you and, you know, put them on and you go handle acids with them, especially in organic chemistry lab here at Clarkson. Um, you, you handle them and the chemicals go right through. Them. Mm. You know, acetone, uh, hydrochloric acid. I've gotten burned with sulfuric acid before here on campus. Not a big burn, <laughs> but like, you know, I've been sitting there and, you know, it has a smell. Mm -hmm. And so, you, you know, I'm working with it. I'm working with my gloves and all of a sudden I smell it. And it's like, it's not uh, a big burn, but it almost feels like little needles mm -hmm. in your hands. But like, it's like, why would, why would we not be provided proper protection for mm -hmm. that? And it's just that the technology doesn't, doesn't exist, exist. Yeah. unless you want to pay $200 for a glove. Yeah. And um, the school can't afford to do that. I don't blame them for not doing that. Mm. You know? uh, but this is a way to do this cheaply and to get a product where we have a fabric that will neutralize acids. Sure, it doesn't protect you against maybe molten chemical you know, at 350 degrees. But that's something that we can look into in the future. Yeah. Right now, I'm just looking to solve one specific problem. And so how is that going? What's the, how, what it's kind going of progress really well. have you made? Yeah. Um, so I uh, have made a prototype. My prototype is um, so far we've made a pretty uh, everything works out. It really has had su really successful um, tests and everything like that. It's been a phenomenal journey. Um, but me and Dr. Parch are feeling really good about it. Um, we have provisionals and everything, and we're looking to file soon. So cool. it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. You know, a lot of talking to lawyers and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, know? you give any specifics about like what acids it's been successful against, the concentrations of those acids, anything like that? Um, the concentrations I can't be specific about, mm. uh, just due to proprietary reasons. Yeah, but no it has worries. Been, it has been tested against a bunch of different acids, but I, I'll name two just for, you know, reasons. But uh, nitric acid and hydrochloric are the two acids That's that good. Um, we've mostly been working with. But I have tested against other acids. But as far as concentrations, I can't go into that. But yeah. mm, no worries. Um, so with with your idea of being not single use, is there any kind of like maintenance you need to do to the fabric to make sure that it works again, like after it comes in contact with acids? How does that work? There is a maintenance process. Unfortunately, I can't go into much detail. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's 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 it's, so it's, it's it's new. Can't give away the trade secrets. It's new, and it, it it's something that we've like just uh you know mm. come out with, and I don't really want to uh give too much away. It's definitely a cool process. I mean, yeah. the maintenance process itself takes ten minutes. That's good. Which is incredible, you yeah. know, for something that you would usually throw away mm. right afterwards. You know, you can if you have multiple on hand, you can just do the maintenance on the one while you're while you're and it's a it's a hands free process. So you don't have to watch it while it's doing being under maintenance is going on un, undergoing maintenance. You know, awesome. you can just walk away from it and go do your work. Have you done any like economic analyses of like how it might 
help save money for organizations? I definitely have. Um, the biggest thing is in safety costs. Mm. Um, there are a lot of different costs associated with, you know, uh, chemical uh, dangers, specifically mm -hmm. in different injuries. Risk management, can, like, stuff burns, like that. Yeah. Burns, you know, and like one of the biggest things, I always talk about this in the business competition, is that one of the biggest dangers of acids is not the immediate burn. Mm. It's actually like what happens afterwards because the acid seeps into your skin and causes way more damage than it ever did on your skin. You know, hydrofluoric acid causes um, bone degradation, which basically causes your bones to break down. It can cause you much more dangers later in life, causing early retirement. Mm. You know, it causes companies to lose out on good workers who have been there for a long time and know what they're doing. Mm. And Sorry, what? I said, wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, geez. Yeah. That's pretty it's, impressive. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's something that's, like, not talked about a lot. Yeah, you're and affecting the business's turnover, which is absolutely insane. It's very important. And, like, there's other applications for the product as well, which are just coming around the corner. Mm. I've got a couple of people who are interested for, di for different reasons than, you know, that I might be than I might be currently looking at right now, which is exciting. But, um can't go into much detail on that either. I'm sorry. I know. I, but it's 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 a tough <laughs> business out there when you run a yeah, startup. You trust know, me. You, you got, I get it. You know, you're very successful with your Terra Apparel company and yeah. like you know, I know you guys have worked through a lot of different stuff where people trying to And it's super know, conflicting and, yeah. because you wanna be really transparent so that like people know what's going on and they wanna be like interested and engaged. Oh, but yeah. you also have to be wary of, you know, what vultures might be looking to to take yeah i definitely think that that's a huge factor especially like with something that like you know is like with what i'm working with mm. you know something that like is could potentially save companies over millions of dollars yeah. at, the end, at the end of the day um but you know we still got a long way to go so for sure that's an interesting thing how how difficult how much do you think that your inability to talk about these things publicly um how do you think that's affected your, you know, success in business plan competitions or pitching to investors and that sort of thing? Has it made it that much more tricky? I would love to like come out and just explain it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, um, and you know, um, one of the things we've talked about most, me and mm. Matt, have uh, is that we, I am much more comfortable in a yeah. conversation yeah, state exactly. than I am, you know, in a big business plan competition. Yeah. Uh, because you don't you know, know who's atmosphere. there. Yeah, you know, I'm more much more comfortable among friends and you know among uh, colleagues who understand mm. what I'm going through. Yeah, and it's tough when you have to protect your idea, and that's what I'm hoping. You know, once I get my patent, you know, which is right around the corner. Mm. Uh, I'm currently working with the Shibley Center right now to do that, uh, which is a big step. Yeah, it's uh, a huge. It's a, step. it's a huge step. It's a lot of money, but mm. um, worth it at the end of the day. Yeah, that's actually why I joined this podcast is because. I'm trying to steal everyone's ideas. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. we're just trying to squeeze it out of you. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's uh, I understand, you know. Um, it's funny because uh, I uh, worked for a company, uh, Barnet International. Uh, they're a great company. Uh, they do Mine Garnet. Mm. I worked with them on a project, and, you know, it's all hush-hush all the time. And, um, you know, go go to conferences and stuff like that for the company. Uh, specifically, I went to a CMP conference, and you just can't say anything, you know. It's weird. <laughs> It's like you gotta you gotta describe your product in ways where you don't use names of minerals. <laughs> you go uh, like, listen oh. to people talk for an hour about like, nothing. It's just like uh, like I don't know. I was at a table with a bunch of different guys, and I was just like, "This is a thing," <laughs> and that's how it works. And the, you know, I mean, eventually we didn't end up going down that route, but yeah. you know, but it's um it's a great 
it was a great opportunity and definitely you you need to learn how to conceal your idea mm. in the beginning because yeah. it's vital and especially something so technical mm-hmm. you know the biggest problem for me at business planning competitions is getting people to understand what i'm talking about mm. i'll often talk to a judge who's you know got a business degree or something like that or not to you know go against business degrees or anything like that. Yeah. Those people are obviously very But it's it's about like, the, the fact about vocabulary. The, yeah, it's yeah. like if I want to talk about hydrochloric acid and like its derivatives mm. and like how I'm neutralizing it, you know, it's going to be tough yeah. for the person to understand unless they have a heavy chemistry background. Mm. Which is a good challenge for you though, like to, mm-hmm. to learn how to do that, I think. Right? Yeah, it is, it, is, it is a good challenge for me to learn how to talk to people about my ideas. Mm. Um, I'm really excited for this business planning competition because for the this first year. time, for the first time ever, I will have like a uh, a like 100% prototype that I will be like allowing the judges to like Ooh. feel and touch. Ooh. Wow, that's always be, that always helps. It's that, gonna be awesome. Yeah. Really that helped excited. a lot last year. For yeah, me. I'm yeah. really excited to just like give them a visual that they can actually <laughs> like touch and see. Yeah, I think that's gonna be great. And you know, the way that my product works too is that I can give them a sample and let them touch mm-hmm. it all they want. They won't know a thing about it yeah um it's just because that's the the way that's the way it works which is great um but it's definitely still got i'm looking forward to it a lot and Mm. definitely with um getting the patent and you know showing off my prototype Mm. it's something that i've definitely enjoyed you know my family uh when i go back home um yeah, kind of like, oh, we know you're working on this project, but, you know, we, we haven't seen anything, you know. <laughs> it's like half of them don't even believe me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you're doing something? And I'm like, and like this Thanksgiving, I brought it home with me and I showed my family and they were like really hyped. And my parents were hyped for the first time as well. It was crazy. That's um, awesome. It's just different because like my parents never like, I don't want to say they never believed in me because that sounds mean. They definitely believed in me. Yeah. But, like they didn't think, think it would be this real. They were like, this is a real thing now. <laughs> and like you made this. And uh, that was like, I lived last summer. I lived at my fraternity, mm. uh, TDK up here at Potsdam. I lived here. Um, it was great. You know, I, I and I went to the lab every day. Yeah. And uh, worked with Dr. Parch. It was a cool time. But, yeah. So once you get the patent, hopefully soon, um, what is what does it look like from there as far as moving forward? What what are your hopes and dreams for it if you get the patent secured? You know, uh I've talked about this a lot with a lot of different people about what mm. I want to do with my life. Um but uh you know, I could go in many directions uh from here. Hopefully, you know, if this is successful, uh, one of the other applications I've been looking at is a much more commercial application. Mm. And if we went that direction, you know, production is just a step away mm. and um you know if i if i could get out there and do production i would love to you know i would be all for it now would it be something where you'd license the technology to people who have the capacity to make it I would more love to do or that. would you um, would you rather do it yourself you know i think it's wherever the opportunity hits first mm. for me um if somebody comes you know offers me a good deal and uh, i see the opportunity for it i've got other ideas on the table you know yeah. that i want to work oh, wow. on that i want to you know, he's got it all lined he's up. He's got a better yeah. idea than what you just explained <laughs> to us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have been working on uh, – I've always wanted to be an inventor. I've got a bunch of stuff going on in my head all the time. I always talk to people about how um, my mind, like, runs a million miles a minute. <laughs> yeah, you're and, sitting like, here tapping your hands and your feet. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like I'm trying to, like – my body just has to like handle a million things at once or it just doesn't feel okay. Yeah. It's, and um, that's just like I've got a lot of other ideas that are coming up. 
um, that I want to work on just besides the one that I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I have a dream for my whole life of, you know, being an inventor and helping other people as well start their inventions. You know, I've always wanted to start uh, an incubator company. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something I've always talked about. It's something I want to do in the future. Uh, you know, once I can have the money for it. And I think the biggest thing is I want to get experience in the industry first. Yeah. But if it hits and, you know, my product hits and I and I have to go and support it, I'm down for it. You yeah. know, I think the, the big message I'm trying to pull from this, I think, is that, like, I'm ready for whatever comes. And, you know, if, if it's a fly ball or if it's a fastball, I'm going to take <laughs> I'm going I'm to hit I'm going to swing for it either way. Yeah. You know? That's really cool. So basically, like. If the opportunity doesn't present itself to do till I sell it royalties or whatever, mm-hmm. you will commit to trying to get that technology out there any way you can. I believe in this product, you know, full handedly. You know, I've been here for four years now working on it, um, and you know, in between classes, um, some of the thing, some one thing that I think that uh, not a lot of people emphasize, especially with the Shipley program and innovation programs on campus, is that, you know. We don't work on our projects every day. <laughs> or all day. Or all day. <laughs> you know, I might take a half hour in between classes yeah. and, you know, crank something out. But, like, I haven't, you know, sometimes I'll go months, you know, without yeah. touching it. Yeah. And, you know, some people think, you know, to run a business while you're at college, you have to spend all of your time on it. It's not really not true. It's not possible. It's not possible problem. because, you know, especially at a school like Clarkson, where yeah. the education is so demanding. Yeah. And you need to uh, – you need to – you need to devote your time to school and, you know, you find your time to work on it. And sometimes it's crunch time. Mm. Sometimes, you know, you have a meeting with our meeting with Ashley or yep. meeting with different people from the Shipley Center. And they just, you know, they're just like, hey, competition is next week. Let's go. Yeah. Exactly. And that's when you actually get your work done. You yeah. know, you might not have touched it in, you know, three weeks, but now you got to go. Yeah. For me, it's a lot with me being B2C and it's a lot less. I mean, I'm getting into research in the next couple of years and it's going to be a little bit different. But mm-hmm. so far, it's been a lot of like highs and lows and it's really kind of like my effort level unfortunately kind of like falls into depending on how things are going like if they're going really well if I'm at like I'm at the peak and I know I'm at the peak I kind of just like let things go for a little bit I get a little lazy and it it takes it falling back down again for me to be like okay I I gotta pick things up yeah because because when things are riding high and I got you know three exams in a week I might as well just let that sit for Mm -hmm. a second while I focus on my schoolwork and inevitably you know, you get a rude awakening and a rude reminder that, hey, you need to be focused on yeah, focusing on this again. It's definitely important. It's definitely not easy. I mean, well, for you, it's been a lot of a waiting game at this point with the, yeah, with the patent and yeah. the intellectual property. It's been tough um, just like figuring it out at the end of the day. You know, I had, like, my, I had my first meeting with my lawyer mm. um, uh, two weeks ago mm. and uh, they were talking about, um, you know, provisional patents. And I was talking about my provisional and, you know, I was talking about, well, I have a provisional patent. They were like, what? <laughs> first thing is the provisional patent. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, well, there's a provisional application, you know, really teaching me. They t- kind of took me under their wing and like, you know, this is how it works. Yeah. And like, luckily everything was good. You know, I have my provisional application. That's all I needed. And, you know, like the whole fact is that like, you know, I have to get my thing done before the provisional expires and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, going th- through with that. And, but like, you know, learning different fields is a huge thing. You know, I'm a chemical engineer by background, but uh, going through the marketing and different types of stuff <laughs> like that is tough. Mm. You know, when I was on co-op doing marketing, sales, and all that, um, I was really broadening my horizons. But, you know, if you just stick with, you know, um, chemical engineering, you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. Unless you're going to hire someone else to do the work, and that costs money. Yeah. 
and I would rather, you know, at the end of the day, I, I've been a one-man show for <laughs> uh, for uh, four years now, besides Dr. Parch, who I'm most ever thankful for. I mean, mm-hmm. he has been one of the biggest inspirations in my whole life. You know, the guy is a legend. You know, I mean, I don't know if you guys know about microchips, but um, he uh, invented the uh, colloidal system that allows us to polish it. Wow. Wow. Um, without him, you know, our cell phones, our computers, they wouldn't work. That's um, crazy. You know, before him, there was a lot of scratches and stuff like that, but he really turned it around. And, you know, I take inspiration from that. And, you know, he's really, you know, changed the world. And I want to do the same. So if you want to do a lot of inventing and, and that sort of thing, are you thinking about graduate school and, and maybe going more into the research field? Or are you going to try and take this this undergrad degree as far as you can? I think I'm going to try and take this undergrad degree as far as I can. Um, I've been in school for a long time. I don't know. I guess not a long time in case of doctorates and graduate <laughs> degrees. But, you know, um, I've been here and I've seen uh, I've seen a lot. And what I've learned from most of all is that you can teach yourself anything. That is true. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that, like, when you're doing a startup, if you've got an idea and you don't know anything about it, you know, you want to work in AI, but you've never even looked at a computer, you can learn. And if you just take that time to, like, you know, really Google the heck out of a topic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've sat, a, I've sat in a computer and Googled for eight hours straight. Oh, and yeah. And, like, you know, you just – That's what I did you, beginning at Terra You learn. You learn what, yep. you, what you can. And, you know, it, it needs to be done. At the very least, you learn what questions to ask. Yeah, I think that's yeah, the yeah. biggest thing is, like, when I was getting into the clothing industry, I knew nothing about clothing other than what I liked and what I didn't like. Mm-hmm. But the whole process, the again, the vocabulary, like mm-hmm. – I I remember emailing the first couple of suppliers and it was all like, I would say, you know, this is what I want. I want to make a shirt that does this. And they're like, okay, but, and then they just spat out like 12 words in a row that I had no idea what they meant about specifications and -hmm. and what the measurements are for yarn and -hmm. and fabric and stuff like that. And I, that's, that's the day that I went on Google for eight hours and was like, okay, what are all these words and how, how are they related? You got to know, you got to, you got to figure it out at some point, you know, yeah. that's the biggest thing with that. And, um, it's tough. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, but it's worth it at the end of the day, you know? Um, but also like taking graduate classes at Clarkson, I've taken a couple graduate classes here, um, while I'm an undergrad in chemistry, um, just because I want to learn more mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. Honestly, I think if, uh, if I didn't have, um, Part of the big like motivation for me to you know go with my undergrad is to try and get some money out there yeah. for myself um, so I can survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point going forward, I know I know that like you know getting a graduate degree would definitely help, and it's definitely something I want to look back on. And uh, you know if I do get hired for a company, maybe see if they'll pay for it, or if I you know go my own way, mm. maybe try to take a couple classes at a time. But um, I've taken two class two graduate classes here, which was uh, Palmer's. Uh, and uh, colloids. And both of these classes are high, heavy chemistry, but they are the most applicable classes that I have ever taken. Every single thing I learned in each one of those classes, I could go to an industry expert and explain mm. and understand. And it was just like, this is how saran wrap is made. <laughs> like saran wrap is a hugely d- d- like d- complicated chemical process. Yeah. And then uh, I would go ahead and he would explain it, how it was made to me. And I would I'm blown away, you know, Mm. by the fact that it was such a different thing. You know, saran saran wrap is something that we use every day, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's a hugely complicated process. Yeah. And the person who came up with that, you know, who who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it in. So so your plan when you graduate, you're graduating in May, right? 
I'm graduating actually in December. In December. Yeah, okay, December. so you have you have about 12 months. About 12 months. Uh, my plan is to uh, you know apply for jobs. One more summer of research or internship? Uh, you know, I'll see where the wind takes me. Mm. I've applied to a lot of places, um, and you know, I have one interview so far. Um, hopefully, it went well. You know, mm. I got some good feedback, so we'll see what, where that goes. But I still That's haven't good. heard from them in a couple of months, so mm. probably no. But you know, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> it happens. Um, but it, you know, you go there. Um, Barton just started. Uh, it's looking to start a new company, so I'm I'm gonna be uh, looking into that as well. Cool. Um, see where that goes. But uh, yeah, I will go wherever the wind takes me at this point. Cool. Then. Well, we wish you luck on that patent, and um, hopefully, once that patent comes in, we can invite you back, and you can tell us all the fancy secrets that you. Oh, I would tell love to. I would love. You know, I could go on for hours about <laughs> uh, about all the chemistry and organic chemistry, and you know. Well, when you get that patent, you let us know because we'll bring you back on for sure. All right, definitely, yeah. definitely. Thank you so much. For Thank that. you, Matt. This is awesome. All right, everyone. That's all we have this week. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you all you all are enjoying our weekly episodes. We sure as heck are. And uh, with that, as always, I'm Matt. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>